live. And hello, uh, hello, and welcome to another episode of Loose Cannon. And uh, this week we are going to be talking about uh, Season of the Lost and kind of our first impressions on it, and some other things because I'm sure, I'm sure you have some ideas uh, as to where this season's going to go. Because we know what happens after this season, which is, you know, this is the only time of the year that we know what the next season will be. Whereas every other season, it's like, what's going to happen next? Now we know it's Witch Queen. That's what happens next. Yeah. Yeah, it's good because we're all sitting here with the same goggles on going, oh, we see what's about to happen. We just don't know exactly how we're going to get there. Yeah. But we do have an idea. And I hope. I hope some of us are wrong. <laughs> what do you hope is I hope, wrong? What's an example of a, a wrong theory that you I hope for? Well, I would like I would like for what we all naturally suspect to happen to be wrong. So I'm one of the people that I hope to be proven wrong that okay. somehow, you know, just the 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 apparent thing that we all think is gonna happen happening, I hope that's wrong. I, I, cause we haven't actually talked about what we individually think is going to happen. So I'm really interested to hear what you think is going to happen and see if it's the same. Cause I mean, I have some ideas as to what's going to happen and, uh, talking with some clanmates last night, I read something that I haven't read for about a year now that kind of oh, struck yeah. me as like, Oh, were they hinting at this all along? Uh, so we'll get to that. Yeah. Okay, cool. I'm excited. But uh, so before we get to that, do you want to do the lore card? Yeah, we'll do the lore card. It ties into it well because I mean it's kind of yeah related, I guess. Okay, well, so it's all related. Everything's related. But yeah, yeah, no, this one was pretty wild. I gotta admit, I was kind of like. I did a dive on it thinking, okay, well, there's got to be some, like a broad explanation for this. So is this, let and me ask you, is this a, is this a ghost shell in the game already? It is. Usually if it you, would have to be. Yeah. So if, if you bought the collector's edition, this is attainable right now. The collector's or if you edition? The, or not just the collector's edition. What is it? The um, digital deluxe. Yes. Okay. I did not. I bought a codeless collector's edition because I like to spend 150 now and then 70 like four months from now. So it's not just a big batch of money. Yeah, it makes sense. I bought the collector's edition, which didn't come with, or it came with a code, but it wasn't a really a code. They told us later that's for PC. And then, um, and then you of think it's picked a console? No, on Xbox, it's weird. However, it worked out. There was like a glitch or something where it kept saying, oh, okay. like, it sent everybody an email uh, for the game code, for like but it, Steam it was code. for, yeah. Well, I hope and it was for like, yeah. Anyway, uh, no, I bought the deluxe because I have three Xboxes in the house to worry about. So I've got my, <laughs> me, my wife, and my son, and we're all playing. So <laughs> that's nice that you all play together. Yeah, sucks money wise. You know, your wallet goes flying out your pocket every time there's an expansion or DLC or game. Mm -hmm. Um, Luckily, I only really play Halo and Destiny. So (laughs) that's how you do it. 
yeah. you play two games and, and you don't work. Oh, this one's coming out. I don't care. I don't care. It's not one of the two. Yeah. I don't have time for it anyway. I mean, it sucks so much time playing Destiny. And then when Halo comes out, it's like, what else is there time mm-hmm. for? Mm-hmm. I mean, anyway. So if you bought the deluxe or the if you buy the deluxe or the thirtieth anniversary version, yeah. whatever if, you if bought, if you pre-ordered and, Witch Queen, you, there you go. have access to this ghost. Yeah, it's really cool looking too. It is. That's so, why I was asking because I kind of want it. <laughs> yeah. So at first I thought, okay, well, you know, this is some Hivey Hive stuff, right? Mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a dive into it. I, I don't know how I missed this, but I guess in 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 astronomy class in high school, I'd never really paid attention to like the backstories of scientists like Kepler and all these people. But, uh, I grew, I grew, I grew into loving things like this later in life. Like once I got to college and, and then, you know, just had a a natural gravitational hunger to know what the origins were for things is when I started to like this stuff. And so, I guess Kepler's history, I just never really dove into, um, you know, it's a lot of math and mm-hmm. I've never been like super into math, but then again, I mean, you know, whatever. So Johannes Kepler, uh, is, if you don't know by now, he is a famous scientist. I mean, he pretty much gave us a lot of tools that we've been using forever. Um, or since he's been around. So I, I didn't know what the, the shell meant. And so I looked up cosmographicum and evidently this is where it comes from because there is no other single source for this other than this one origin point. And it happens to deal with Johannes Kepler. And so Mysterium cosmographicum by Johannes Kepler. Um, it's basically a model of the planetary planetary orbits a.k.a. the Cosmographic Mystery. So in his writings, it was called the Cosmographic Mystery, but his compendium or whatever you call it was the Mysterium Cosmographicum, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so using math, this proposed the orbits of the planets could be described in terms of the five platonic solid solids. And so one being a dodecahedron, which is an engram shape, I thought mm-hmm. was kind of, really neat. Uh, and so each enclosed within a sphere. So all of the five platonic solids would be enclosed in a sphere and that would make the orbits of the planets. And this is where it gets really cool. So this is what was funny. So basically the history is the, the short story version of it is he was teaching a class and he drew on his chalkboard, a triangle with the circle in it. Right. Mm-hmm. And he was trying to kind of relate the planets to geometry and math. And he had a revelation. He suddenly realized that the orbit of Jupiter and the orbit of one of the other planets I'm forgetting right now (coughs) that they knew about at the time, uh, suddenly lined up with those two shapes. And so he did a deep dive and he started using math to plot the orbits of the planets the planets that they knew about, which they only at the time knew about six planets mm-hmm. and every one of them, their orbits lined up perfectly with the platonic solids, which the plot look platonic solids are the five perfect shapes, three dimensional shapes. 
And this is okay. how you got here. I, I just I just need to cut you off really quick. Yeah. yeah. This is sounding like you're about to prove that the universe isn't real. <laughs> <laughs> like how everything is how everything is like coming. I'm just sitting here. I'm like, oh god. The sky, is, the sky is going to rip open when he finishes this sentence, and it's going to be like, you did it. You you, you cracked the secret. <laughs> okay, so you can imagine how Johannes uh, Kepler felt at the time, right? Yeah. So he had this epiphany, this revelation, this this sudden like light came shining down on him from the heavens with because he was a he was a scientist of math, you know, and suddenly he realized everything that he had worked with lined up with the planets. Okay, so here we go. So Kepler proposed that the orbits of the planets could be described in terms of the five platonic solids, each enclosed within a sphere. The outer one represented the orbit of Saturn. He was wrong, but as a result, he invented the three laws of planetary motion, which is still used today. So here's where it's cool because he, 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 all of this seems so correct in his mind and everything that he had done to work up this model, this cosmographicum, um, that it made so much sense. It made too much sense, right? You know, the hole in the sky was going to open up. Mm-hmm. However, uh, this phenomena that he was experiencing, which a lot of us do it, even in lore, we all do it, is that it's called the Gettier problem. Uh, it's where essentially your belief is flawed, but somehow the path you took to pursue the knowledge ended up leading you to the correct place anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So as a result of him being so completely wrong, he still was able to write the three laws of planetary motion, which we know are perfectly correct. And we use it in all the time. Uh, uh-huh. This is something that, he figured out way back when years before we had proof for it, which is just insane, you know, to think that he was right about this one thing, but completely wrong about this other. Anyway. So Kepler was right within the observational limits of his time, but later he abandoned this theory when, you know, some of the math didn't check out and they figured out other planets and stars and blah, blah, blah. So his writings were called the forerunner of cosmological essays. And it contained the secret of the universe, right? So when he wrote this, he based this on the marvelous uh, proportion of the celestial spheres and on the true and particular causes of the number, magnitude, and periodic motions of the heavens by means of the five regular geometric solids. So in a nutshell, all of that I just said is basically the Mysterium Cosmographicum. (laughs) <laughs> that's the shortened way to say all that. So, um, uh, cause I don't know if you were going to touch it on it. Do you know the, um, what was it? The, uh, platonic shapes? Yes, I do. So here we go. Okay. So his, his model of the solar system he based his work on was to combine his religious beliefs, science and mathematics. See, he was a, he was really a religious person and he wanted mm-hmm. to basically prove the existence of God through science and mathematics as many other scientists of the time did as well. In fact, the word science and all of that was a root from that. So those guys back then wanted to basically, they were all looking for the origin point of God, you know, but using science and mathematics to figure this stuff out. So 
He discovered underlying connections between two things which didn't seem related at first and then attempted to tie together the very real and uh, very massive movements of the planets and stars in the cosmos to, to properties of particular abstract geometric forms studied by the Greeks. So even though it turned out his theory was wrong, his ideas were still used today in physics more than 400 mm -hmm. years later. But the shapes that he used to, to as the you know architectural pieces of this cosmographicum were uh, basically three-dimensional versions of polygons, which are shapes like equilateral triangles, squares, a regular pentagon. Uh, all of these sides have equal length with equal angles between each side. And so they create the three shapes, the 3D shapes, the three-dimensional shapes called polyhedra. So polygons, perfect polygons make perfect polyhedra. And one of the polyhedra is an engram shape, a, doca, a dodecahedron. Mm -hmm. um, however, the perfect three-dimensional shapes, there are only five, by the way, the tetrahedron, the hexahedron, which is a cube, uh, octahedron, a dodecahedron, which is an engram, and an icosahedron. I always say that one wrong. Uh, but anyway, these are known as the platonic solids, right? These are the building blocks for geometry. So what are the, the perfect shapes that make those? Is it just like, uh, well, is one of them a sphere? Because they're within a sphere. Well, sphere is considered to be perfect, you know, in its own. So like okay. a sphere is a sphere, right? Okay. Um, uh, these shapes, when compared to the orbits of the five planets they knew about at the time, meant everything matched up perfectly and thus led Kepler to believe in a perfect universe. Uh, the fact that there are only five of was, uh, you know, a crucial part of the allure of the Mysterium Cosmographicum. And that's why it exploded like his, you know, his, his revelation, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, Kepler deduced that there were only six known planets in the, at the time, Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn. Eh? And <laughs> Kepler realized that if you nested within each other a three-dimensional shape, it... Um, it gave them the size of the sphere that matched almost exactly with the sizes of the orbits of the planets. So he, you know, made a real three-dimensional object, which is this Mysterium Cosmographicum. And if you look mm -hmm. at it, it's pretty crazy. So I got some pictures in here if you wanted to look at them in the thread down at the bottom of the, of the tweet. Uh, yeah. Uh, let me... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Just, I just pull the image. I didn't actually go all the way through. Um, no worries. The thread. So if you look at the ghost shell, you can see it's got it, it's got its shape, which is after you see the mysterious or Mysterium Cosmographicum, it's a reverse of <laughs> it's the opposite. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, we have the ghost shell up here, the okay. sphere inside the cube, and then it's it's also inside a flat pentagon. There you go. <clears throat> And then as you go down, so these are, these are some of the shapes here. Yeah. So the like, very end, those are all like, you know, in the, you know, liver box. So those are all like public images that are, you know, shareable, whatever. Okay. Those are all. So, um, yeah, if you look at the cosmographicum, like the most complex one is his one that looks like almost like a chalice with the cool base on it. Yeah. That's a real object, and if you look at the picture, you can almost see it's a kind of not like the greatest picture of it in a museum, but 
if you look at it closely, you can see there's an outer sphere, then mm -hmm. there's a pyramid, then there is a engram, and then inside yeah. the engram is another sphere with a cube, and there you go. Yeah, I don't think anyone watching is going to be able to check this out. So absolutely, go follow Armory Defined. This, this is where all the lore cards come from. We just like to make them a part of the show. Um, so like you can kind of make out, I can kind of make out on my screen. Uh, so I'd imagine it'd, it'd be a little difficult through, you know, the compression that Twitch and YouTube, yeah. et cetera, but I can, I can make out the, the, um, Pentagon 3d Pentagon shape. The pyramid is clear. The, the square is clear. So it goes down further and further. Right. Huh. And so at the time, I mean, they kind of thought, you know, everything was like, you know, they, they, everybody thought they were the center of the universe. I mean, some people still do today, but mm -hmm. they all did back then, definitely. <laughs> um, so this Cosmographicum was really cool because when he plotted the course of the planets and how they moved across the sky, um, he he was very correct in their orbits matching up with these three-dimensional uh, shapes. However, what he didn't realize is, you know, that we all went around the sun and you know all that and there were more planets and oh okay 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 well i'm sorry i i the this visual representation here that i have up on screen is really making me understand it better so basically what he's saying is the sun is in the middle the center of the universe which i mean not the center of the universe but for the sake of this yeah the sun is here in the middle and then around that he puts a sphere and that's orbits Mercury. That's there you go. Mercury's orbit, and around Mercury's orbit, he puts an octohedron, and around the octohedron, another sphere is built, which is the orbit for Venus. And then there's an ico icosahedron, and then around that is the another sphere, Earth's orbit, and then the dodecahedron, and around that is is another sphere for Mars, and uh, and so on. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That is so, crazy. But that, so that didn't. Yeah. That doesn't actually pan out. That this, this so is. No, it uh, it does in a way because he was able to uh, write the the laws of planetary motion from this because he realized that through he, what he didn't know is you know what we proved later, which was gravity and the relativity of the universe. Mm -hmm. um, so at the time he didn't know that, but what he did find out and through his observations is that. Planets had a natural orbit, and it lined up with math very well. And it's because of gravity and how things are, you know, moving across space. Uh, so from that, he was able to write the three laws of planetary motion, which we all still use today. It's like a very common thing. Uh, it basically is, in a nutshell, the study of mass and how planetary objects move across space and how they relate to one another and their gravitational pulls on one another. Right. So, so I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. Um, yeah. Cause I just realized something. So looking at the ghost shell with that in mind, knowing that there's spheres within spheres around these shapes, and then it's a shape with a sphere around it and then yep. a shape around that sphere. So we have the ghost shell and then around the ghost shell is the cube and right. the cube is the outermost layer on this image. Yeah, and this image as well, but not on this image. It's not always the outermost layer, but sometimes right. it is. And then you look at the outer of that, which is you know a pentagon, a pentagon, which is like one side of a 
dodecahedron. Um, if you look at that, you kind of get either you kind of get two different representations. Like one, you just pointed out to me. So, like if you think about this, the ghost being the contained universe, and then outside of that contained universe, there's two more layers, right? Yeah. And then if you look at the hive runes that are floating around that, maybe that has something to do with that uh, outer layer or this existence of something else beyond our own universe. <laughs> if yeah, you want to, I, I feel it. like you know, Bungie put the the work into this. Like I imagine sure. that they they knew what they were they were going for here. So, yep. so what's really ghost? Yeah. Know? So what's really cool about that is when you read the flavor text, it for says ghosts. Ghost, yeah, for ghosts who seek greater truths. So greater than what you're looking at, basically, the sphere of the ghost. So outside of that would be greater truths, which are the hive runes. Somehow it's just like a funny dig, right? Like um, the hive kind of saying, well, you know, there's more to this than what you see, you know, in your small, feeble universe, mind, whatever. Okay. So then I think I, so what I was kind of drawing the conclusion to is with this in mind, each, each sphere is another planet's orbit. So then you can, you can assume that the orbit, the, the furthest orbit being shown is like a tease for where Witch Queen would take place. But like you said, the, the high runes, if these are supposed to represent the furthest orbit out, then the, it's not even a tease because we already know. Sabathun's throne world. We're going to a hive, a hive space, a hive. Ah, yeah. So I think that I, I mean, I don't know what Bungie was thinking when they were making this, but. Oh, that, they think a lot. I mean, they yeah. think way, way more than I probably think. So when I do <laughs> seriously though, like when I do, when I do dives on these lore cards and lore entries, um, the, the main gist is to try to relate it to, destiny as much as possible with using origin and factual knowledge that you know comes from like the true source of what does this mean right mm -hmm. but i don't want to flood with all the extraneous branches of everything that has to do with everything in you know these things so it, it it's got to be relatable right it's got to be yeah. relatable to the universe and destiny so by doing that and and using my own bias I'm able to discover things that kind of point to where it's like, aha, you know, it's a little bit of that. Aha. I know where they're going with this. I see what they're talking about. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes not so much. I mean, not everything is elaborately thought out. I mean, some things are just like, Hey, this sparrow is a shark. Right. And this is, I the mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some, some, you know, sometimes it is just as simple as we like this piece we like this information and we wanted to reference it you know we just wanted yeah. to put this yeah. uh bit of history or this bit of science into the game and there's an yeah. elegant way of doing that by making it a ship or a sparrow or a ghost and that's it like i have the uh speaking of ghosts i have the jacko shell ghost which is a jack-o-lantern uh ghost shell <laughs> i don't think bungie's trying to hint that the headless no. horseman exists in destiny or anything no. <laughs> i just think it's a jack-o-lantern and i like it and that's good enough. Exactly. And more to that point, the like for instance, we got um the one year we had the Festival of Loss and everything was Wizard of the Oz themed. And when I'm I sorry, did it, what? Yeah. So if you didn't know this out there, and if you didn't already get this armor, 
there is a set of armor from Festival of Lost that was like two years ago or something, um, where everything was Wizard of the Oz themed. Do I have Tin Man armor? Is that what that's supposed to be? Yes. So you have Tin Man armor. You have Scarecrow, which is the Skirin, the Skirin hunter armor. Oh, that's okay. So I'm the Scarecrow then. I yeah. have Scarecrow and armor. Titan was the Tin Man. And then here's the funny thing. <laughs> the the ghost was the cowardly lion. <laughs> this is where it diverged. So the ghost was the cowardly lion, and then the um the warlock the, was the man behind the curtain. Yeah, the warlock was basically oh, really? the wizard. Yeah, he was basically the wizard kind of. And uh, <laughs> so the ghost should have been Toa. What are you doing? <laughs> I did. I thought so. I thought that too, right? So I thought that too, but um. What I realized was they weren't referencing the cinematics. They were oh. referencing all of the books because when you read the lore entries or the flavor text on the cards, it actually is not the first book only. It's like three books of further where the, the TikTok man, whatever his name was, shows up in the in the, the world TikTok of Wizard man. of Yeah, dude. Wizard of Oz had like five books or four books or something. Okay. And it was oh. yeah. It was crazy. So there's all these other characters, and they've referenced like three or four of the other ones outside of the movie. Well, I have to save this for a show next month, and we'll we'll go into like a Festival of the Lost. Hey, that would be cool. Yeah, all the all the little well, Easter eggs that they put in Festival of the Lost, like that. That's a teaser for that one. But yeah, and then like ones like last year, I think we got. Didn't we just get the the wolf? And yeah, stuff. last year uh last year was the first year that they started doing monsters. Uh yeah. the year before that they did um skeletons and it was like everyone sure. had a different skeleton. And those are those are cool. People really like those. Last year we had the wolf, the Frankenstein and the vampire. And yeah. this coming year instead of um instead of kaiju we're getting dinosaurs. That was that was the vote. It was either kaiju or dinosaurs, and people voted dinosaurs, which is still cool. Yeah, I mean, uh, both were really cool. I think I'm like, in in terms of that vote, I think I was like sixty forty leaning dinosaurs. Where it's like, these are both still concept. So what the final result would have been can be tweaked a what, little bit, and that final result fun, could tip me. But we'll never. What know. was funny? What was funny for me is um, I'm a hunter. So mm-hmm. either way was a win. Yeah. You, yeah. A... <laughs> or yeah. Yeah, dinosaurs, which Godzilla is a kaiju. But yeah, come on, everybody. We know it's like kind of a dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah. And radioactive lizards, man. That's all dinosaurs yeah. are. Yeah. Not birds. There's not a single feather on the, <laughs> on the dinosaurs. But there were. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's even crazier. Oh. All right. Anyway, you want to get into that? The so, season? yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. I wasn't sure if I was cutting you off there. No, 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 no. That cosmic, the Mysterium Cosmographicum, that's a wild one. Like, yeah, if that's, you a, ever that's wanna, a really interesting one. If you want to research it, there's some actual, there's actually some really good stories about how Kepler ended up um, coming to that revelation. And, like, it's really neat. It, it it's really neat if for the simple fact that you can understand the Gettier uh, problem, which is this idea of being completely wrong but coming up with the right answer all along. It's like it's like what we're experiencing right now, right? Mm-hmm. We all know Savathun is out there and she's we're coming. Making some wrong assumptions. 
So that's what I'm hoping is that we're completely wrong and this is a Gettier problem for us. Mm-hmm. But we're we're right about how we're going to get there. We're just wrong in how we thinking. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I keep looking at, uh, I'll, I'll put it back up on the screen for a quick second. I keep looking at this one of the, uh, the, the Kepler thing. It's the nice um, uh, metal with the glass cube and then the metal yeah. and the glass pyramid and everything. I I just look at that and I'm like, man, it'd be really cool to like have one of those. It's like it's somewhere in my house and people be like, oh, what is this? And I'll be like, you know, I have no idea. It's really complicated. <laughs> it's the universe somehow. I forget. Don't ask me. Somehow. It was yeah. expensive. <laughs> Somebody explained it to me once, but yeah, I thought it was really know. cool. Uh, I hyper fixated <laughs> on it. I blew a grand and uh, well, I'm not throwing this away now. <laughs> okay so we are what is it uh week three currently week three in season yeah. of the lost yeah. uh so quick recap of the uh major events of season of the Lost is we go to the reef the dreaming city mara has been saved from wherever she was trapped before. I guess she was trapped in the ley lines and Osiris is with her and everyone's like, Osiris, what the fuck? That was pretty shady. What you did back at the last city. And he does a little finger thing. And it was like, that's not Osiris. That's that is not Osiris. And he, uh, Savathun rips out of his body and we don't actually see that process. So we, we still haven't seen in game Savathun yet. And she goes into this chrysalis, uh, cocoon actually, yeah. That Mara Sov somehow put her in. She has cocooning powers, I guess. Yeah. And Mara reveals to us how Savathun is on the run from Zivu, who is being instructed to hunt Savathun by a higher power. And Mara is trusting Savathun, thinking that we can get the upper hand on her. Remove her worm. She's no longer immortal. Kill Savathun. Savathun's out of the game. Uh, and that's the main thing that's happened because so far the, the what we've been seeing in the weeks is we've just been saving the Techians who were sent into the ley lines to save Savathun, but they got hunted by Zivu's forces, and at the last second they threw Mara ahead and they scattered to give Mara a chance of getting out where they would stay hidden in the ley lines. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize something at first. What I did you realize? I didn't realize um, that. Like, I, I guess I watched the cutscene and I glossed over it. The whole chrysalis. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, yeah, the, yeah. So Savathun reveals herself. And Saint Fort, it, instead of seeing Savathun, you see Saint Fourteen like screaming "No, no, no!" And then yeah. it cuts to Mara, and she turns around and she like puts up her hands, and then you see so, Savathun, and she's in this this chrysalis. But the mission is called Cocoon, which is why I call yeah. it Cocoon. And of course, it's called Cocoon because it's all a reference to hive moth people. Yeah. Which you want to explain that one a little bit? I feel like we explain that every week. I really do. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's so, one of my okay. favorite things to talk about, but I feel well, like I like it. Week. I like it too because <laughs> it's a callback to the um, original uh, concept art as hive being moth people, which mm-hmm. is cool. Um, so, if 
So here's something. If you think about a butterfly and a moth and how confused or how simple it is to confuse the two when you just glance at them, uh, or if you see them flying across, you're like, oh, that's a moth. Oh, wait, no, that's a butterfly. You know, it's like one repulses you. The other one is beautiful, right? I mean, they're both there are some moth looking butterflies, though. Yeah, like they're like brown, fuzzy butterflies. And it's like, oh, that's a disgusting moth. That's like, oh, that's a butterfly. Yeah. So I've been on this moth kick, butterfly kick. Uh, Armory Defined did a couple of things on it. Um, so I was looking at the chrysalis uh, emote. What is it? The emote oh, we actually thing? have a, a chrysalis uh, thing. Is it a yeah, the ship sh- entrance? Yes, it's trans a ship effect? entrance. Yeah. So the trans matter effect is called uh, chrysalis, and they spelled it with two L's. At first I thought, well, that's a typo, but it's actually spelled both ways. It's one okay. or two L's. Um, so the chrysalis is a butterfly cocoon, mm-hmm. and a moth is a cocoon, but mm-hmm. they're different. But when you talk about – so here's what I figured out. When you talk about a chrysalis, you're talking about – the caterpillar's final molt. So when Mm -hmm. a caterpillar is molting its very last time, that's when they become a chrysalis, Mm -hmm. right? But the pupa uh, is actually a butterfly and a moth. So butterflies and moths are called pupa and they have a pupa shape. And the pupa is what is inside the chrysalis or the cocoon. And so they're both, they're both called pupa, which is, Mm -hmm. it means doll in Latin or whatever. It's weird. Totally. Anyway. Yeah, I know. So, so, uh, you got two, you got this like branch that separates the two basically right there. So, but I, I so anyway, chrysalis. So I thought, why chrysalis? Why is the guardian coming down as a chrysalis? What does that have to do with it? And then I looked at the transmit effect and the color of it and the shape. It looks exactly like, a monarch butterfly's chrysalis, which I oh, didn't really? realize that a monarch butterfly's chrysalis was the exact same colors as basically everything in the Dreaming City. What? The purple with the marbleized uh, weird striations that go through it. There is a mon- monarch butterfly that has a chrysalis that is basically that beautiful purple with the cool um, shapes. And no, it's just, it's take just it, green. Yeah. So that's, you're only seeing it one way. There is uh look on armory to find, you'll see, I think it's like the second to last, but I put a picture of it on there. Yeah. I'll find, it. I'll find it. You keep talking. Yeah. So anyway, Oh, what it's, the fuck? Per- yeah. So it's uh their chrysalis. Chrysalis means like gold in, you know, like it's Latin origin, word origin, whatever. It means gold because the original colors of the chrysalis were like a brownish gold color. And people thought, oh, that looks like gold. (laughs) So it must be, let's call it gold. So anyway, um, I was looking at all these different chrysalis and there's like really cool green metallic ones really shiny gold metallic ones. This is a butterfly and it looks like metal. Like it looks like metal. Yeah. And then I looked at the monarch butterfly in one particular stage of its chrysalis. It's flat out purple with these cool, beautiful metallic striations that go through it. Just like all of the marble stonework that's all in the throne worlds or the, yeah. uh, not throne world, but the dreaming cities. 
So for anyone listening, uh, absolutely check out Armory Defined, like we said before. I'm putting it up on screen right now, so that is interesting. So what you're a lot of what you're seeing in there is actually the butterfly, because I've seen, uh, for example, this one. Oh, don't mean to open that. This one where the chrysalis gets more and more dark and clear, but the uh, one that you found is is really impressive because it is like exactly the color scheme of the dreaming city. Yeah. I just thought that was really weird. So I, I, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but it definitely lined up and um, I, there's like, a, you know, famous photographers try to capture these moments and um, some, you know, not all butterflies do it, you know, not, not even all of the same exact butterflies will do it. Mm-hmm. But every now and then you get like this golden opportunity for, you know, photographers to take this, this uh, particular point at their chrysalis moment where they look so metallic or they look so much like translucent marble stone. That one looks like to me. Anyway, just thought that was really neat. And so to, to say chrysalis and then to think about Mars throne or Mara's dreaming city. And then you think about that as the opposite of what a moth would do, which would be a cocoon. And if you think about Sabathun and the Mara, and you think about the two queens kind of having this back and forth tug of war right now. And you think about Mara is maybe representing the butterfly and then Sabathun maybe representing the moth. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I was kind of relating to the, to the current season. And I was thinking like, what. Well, you know, they're obviously putting these things in the game for us to, as clues, like a little bit of hint. And there's some other things that popped up as far as a uh, weapon and armory that had to do with, um, you know, moths and butterflies and insects and how they molt mm-hmm. and change <laughs> and cocoon and chrysalis. So anyway, thought it was really re- weird. Yeah. But, um, uh... So yeah, Savathun is currently in her cocoon, and every week we go to talk to her, and uh, this week we actually had probably one of the bigger story developments with Crow having like uh, a fight with Petra, not being allowed to talk to Savathun. Yeah. And so that is kind of the basis of where I think this season is going. So... Everyone has been warming up to Crow, or I mean, generally everyone has been warming up to Crow. Uh, they they understand he's a different person, and they they read probably read his uh, lore book, which showed like he was revived and just persecuted, persecuted, like killed, killed, killed by all these random guardians. He has no idea why. He's held accountable for his past life, but no other guardian is. And everyone's always like saying, it doesn't matter who you were before. That's not who you are now. And and stuff like this, except for crow. So he's like in a really unique position. And before he even met us, he'd met Osiris and Osiris was like the person who like was pushing him to us and, and knowingly getting him into the city, you know, like that was all part of the plan. Except it wasn't Osiris, it was Sabathun the entire time. And that obviously makes a lot of like complex emotions for Crow, where one of his first friends turned out not to be who they said they were, and 
part of him, he's even said, part of him feels he owes something to Savathun. And in this week, he, he talks about how he wants to know what Savathun said to him as Osiris, if it was true, or if it was just like using him to get something. And it's, it's a really dangerous position because Mara and Petra are holding him off from speaking to Savathun because they believe that Crow can be manipulated by her as he was when he was Aldrin, you know, sure. Raven played a big part of that, but I mean, obviously it was all on the instruction of Savathun who at the time controlled Ribbon. Yeah. So I see where Mara and Petra are coming from, but it's like, there has to be a better way to do this because all you're doing is saying, you can't talk to her. You can't talk to her. And he's saying, why not? Like, why are you not letting me? Why are you holding me accountable for my past life? Why is every, every guardian holding me accountable for my past life? I deserve to speak to the person who's been my first, my, who was my first friend. Right. And, you know, I think he's going to at the end of the season, nearing the end of the season, I think he's going to like sneak in or whatever the hell he's going to do. And because of his actions, something's going to go wrong. Yeah. Well, he's proven that he can do stuff like that in the past with uh, Crow. I mean, with um, Spider and getting all the all of his loot into the tower <laughs> without yeah. him even knowing about it. So he is crafty, just like you said. Like he he has an innate ability to be able to sneak, be sneaky if he needs to. Yeah. Um. So like his char- character now. Um, is thought of as inherently good because he's doing things um, in a way that's like compassionate. Mm-hmm. He's thinking of other people and he's feeling persecuted for stuff that he, he doesn't feel like he even did because he's not, you know, he's not Aldrin. No. Pro. And, uh, but so like people just see his face and think of him as Aldrin, you know, Aldrin, you know, hungers for power type of thing. So, when people see Aldrin and they, they, you know, take out their frustrations on him, he's just like, why do I have to be, why do I have to be the the point of your whatever angst? And um, so it would be a really good, uh, it would be a really good opportunity to show us like what would happen if you push somebody too hard for something that they didn't do. Like you were so convinced that they were a bad person because of their former, because of their past transgressions that you forced them into this scenario where they keep calling them a monster over and over and over again. If eventually they become the monster. Yeah. What, you know, be careful. Cause that could happen. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's, probably the key component that I think is going to kick off which queen that Aldrin or not Aldrin crow is going to try to speak to Savathun and maybe it's after we've rid her of her worm and she's supposed to die or maybe it's just before and he he changes something like he changes the outcome he's somehow that key that pushes things forward and I think he'll he'll partly be responsible for what's going to end up happening in Witch Queen. And I mean, it's not 
it's another shitty situation where it's not entirely his fault. Just like Aldrin, all his actions weren't entirely his fault. He was horribly yeah. manipulated by Savathun, by Riven, by all these, yeah. all these cosmic players. And the same thing with Aldrin or Crow. God damn. Talking about both of them is a difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Duality. Yeah. <laughs> So it's it's going to be the same thing with Crow where it's going to be like once again he he was manipulated whereas if if we were like if we vouched for him if we were like Mara you me and Crow are all going to go talk to Savathun and we're going to make sure that nothing no bullshit happens like yeah. we're going to we're going to monitor that conversation and we're going to talk with Crow after it and make sure he understands why she can't be trusted like he needs yeah. to, he needs to talk to her. Like objectively, he needs to. And we're going. He about has interacted with her somewhat. Yeah. No, you're right. I think I, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. I think that he it would it would be foolish for them not to include him into the final, um, you know, tada moment, right? Yeah. Because he's he's been a he's been a he's been a cog in this game ever since day one. Um, he's been that like. He's been that piece that kind of makes the the whole clock keep taking throughout throughout the even if he's been in the background, you know there are stories that have to do with him, and he's been so much a part of the things that have happened as a direct result uh, story wise. Like it, it would be very hard pressed to find Aldrin not mentioned in something that happened, or being able to find like the five degrees of Aldrin <laughs> or a crow. <laughs> Like anyway, so what I was thinking about just now is, uh, so like he, he in the game when we first had the first uh, week, he's like, um, they're talking about, oh, that was Osiris when he says this to me, and and we read a few items that came in the game that were basically mm-hmm. people lamenting the the time that they interacted with Osiris and he wasn't really Osiris. And then now they look back on it like, Oh crap, that was Savathun all along. Yeah. And so we've seen a lot of this uh, happen. And so there are lore entries and weapons out there right now that talk about, Oh, that was Savathun talking mm-hmm. to me when that bad thing happened. Like the, what is it called? Sh- uh, Shariah's. Shayura's wrath. Yeah. There's one about that because of Reed's uh, mm-hmm. linear fusion rifle that just came out from the trials. Mm-hmm. So there's Reed talking about Shariah and how she fell to, you know, the manipulation of that whole thing. But what I was thinking about is we're so focused on uh, the crow's you know, struggle right now. We're forgetting how easily Lakshmi fell to the manipulation and then she's dead as a result of, and everybody's like, good. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But what, but what's funny is, uh, nobody's thinking that about crow. Like, you know, we're more, we're, I guess in the, as, as the players, as we are experiencing the game, we're more apt to be like, Oh, poor crow. Oh, I feel bad for him. He's going through all this struggle. And, you know, there are other characters out there that have fell, fallen to the manip- manip- manipulations of Savathun, and we're just like, oh, good, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, it, it's neat because it kind of gives you, like, this perspective of, oh, crap, maybe I shouldn't have been so hard on these other people because they were all being duped. Mm. 
So uh, one of those moments that you were talking about, lore entries that we've had like throughout the year that we now know now know for sure are Savathun. I mean, we've always thought it was Savathun in these entries. Um, uh, one of the big ones is uh, the Retrofuturist shotgun yeah. in which Osiris, Savathun as Osiris, is watching a Crucible match and, uh, you know, a Guardian kills another Guardian and behind the creature reveling in the Mire Triumph, Sacrilege, a perfect being materializes. It gathers meat and offal from the ground and reassembles itself. An unfathomable gift is given. The crowd has seen this miracle countless times. It has lost all meaning to them. They see it as a resource. I look up into the blank white face. I feel its light on my cheeks. It no longer burns me. Each revival is a choice. I know what to do. And so that kind of goes hand in hand with the fact that, as you said, Crow was sneaking into spiders stuff and stealing things osiris savathun as osiris asked crow to steal spiders dead ghosts yeah and i mean that happened before this season yeah so So he was he was ultimately duped to send a ghost to yeah and i mean they're dead ghosts but we know the end result of this season is that Savathun gets ghosts. <laughs> so it's like, she meets her own guardians. Part, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool because you think about retrofuturists at the time when we got that uh, revised uh, shotgun, because originally it didn't have a lore entry and all mm-hmm. of a sudden it had a lore entry, right? When it had that lore entry, we were reading it like, Oh, what is this? Somebody's yeah. watching a crucible match. Oh, it's, you know, it's gotta be Savathun, right? You know, but we were all like, not completely sure. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, so you can now frame it as, oh, my goodness, Savathun as, Sav- uh, Savathun as Osiris was figuring out how guardians tick, what yeah. makes them special, how yeah. can I use this to my advantage? I'm going to make my own guardians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so the ghost, so, so she's been plotting to get dead ghost shells for her crazy experiments, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. She, she it makes sense though. Like all of our yeah, it makes sense though. All of our enemies in the game have been enamored by her light and have been wanted or wanting to get it since day one and they've mm-hmm. all studied us until the point where they figured out a way, like when you know the cabal figured out a way to break our connection from the light, when the mm-hmm. Vex figured out a way to see our light, you know, with Osiris and mm-hmm. the whatever. And then um, you know, now the hive. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So, uh, before I say the next thing that I, I, I had uh, found interesting, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is going to kick off the next season? The thing that you hope is wrong? Well, the thing that I hope is wrong is that... <sighs> so, I so Osiris is in the... Um, not the upside down, but he's in the... He's in. What do we call it? The hole. The the. What is that movie that kept referencing? Um, the movie where he's sitting in the couch in the chair, and then all of a sudden, oh, the sunken place. The sunken place. Yeah. So Sabbath. Okay, so Sabbathun has taken over Osiris's. Uh, you know. Osiris by putting him in the sunken place. Like okay. there's a lore entry where Osiris is describing 
Saint 14 talking to him, but it's actually Sabathun who's yeah. got him stuck way down in the sunken place. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. So, <laughs> so everybody, well, I don't say everybody, I don't include everybody in my own craziness, but I thought, or I think that Osiris is still alive and that, uh, even though Sabathun, you know, shredded him apart to become Sabathun, you know, in her molting or whatever, uh, somehow there's a piece of him out there that's still alive and that Sabathun is uh, a direct result of that molting of uh, Osiris. And the light comes from, like you had mentioned, the ghost mm-hmm. that the crow gave to her. And so the light that she's using to bring her final shape or her new shape, her newest shape is from Osiris's light. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing. I, that's the thing that it makes. That's the thing that makes me believe is going to happen. Like Savathun's using the, the shreds of Osiris to become, you know, queen Savathun of the throne. So, world or whatever. so you think she's gaining the light? By like siphoning it from Osiris, yeah, somehow. Okay. So then, you hope that's wrong. I hope that's wrong. I have something that I think might help you believe it's wrong. Okay. So last night, uh, clanmate was asking. Uh, I forgot what they were asking about, actually. Something about the traveler and just because of the way it goes, just like I am here, I can't stay on the topic of the question. They ask me, why are the cabal cabal? And I'm like, you know, let me tell you about exos for a second. And <laughs> so I, I, I mentioned how the traveler wasn't exactly happy with what Clovis had done in creating the exos. So just quick recap. Clovis went to Europa, he found Clarity, the big statue, and he created Clarity. He found also Clarity Control, which we can assume to be stasis. And then when taking Vex Radiolarian Fluid and passing it through Clarity Control, it changes it to what he calls the Alkahest. And the Alkahest is needed to actually transfer a human consciousness into the robot body. Otherwise, they... They're too robotic. The The brain is too robotic. You need the right. Alkahest to give it, like, humanity, uh, effectively. Like, you know, bullshit science fiction logic, right? Sure. Uh, so, he's using darkness to make exos. And not only is he using darkness to make exos, but he's he's been a, he's been a douche his entire life. So... <laughs> So when you look in Clovis Bray's logbook, uh, and if you're on uh, Ishtar, it's the missing pages, because they don't actually have the first half. They have the second half that was part of the ARG, and that's where this is. Yeah. So uh, it's in the section called Note Third Vision. This is after he was dead, and he had a third vision while being dead. And uh, to kind of summarize what is going on in this vision, uh, he was with Clovis II's mother, uh, she was a wolf and one of her eyes was a star. He was also a wolf and he knew that he was the alpha, but the false alpha, because there's actually no such thing as alpha wolves. There's just parents. And so mom and dad, 
and their cubs. Those are the alphas, the mom and dad. But he wasn't an alpha because he was a false parent. He wasn't a true parent like his wife. And he wasn't a true parent because he savaged his kids. He, he, I savaged our cubs. I had killed little Clovis too. I had killed Alton and Wilhelmina and Anastasia. I had killed Elizabeth. I whined in dismay. The alpha wolf stared at me with one sad eye and one bright eye and dimmed that dimmed and grew with the exact flux of a variable star. What did I do? I asked her, why did I do this? And so alpha she wolf is a term that has actually been a, uh, attributed to the traveler since like the inception of destiny. When you look yeah, into the dreams yeah. of alpha lupi, yeah. she wolf alpha lupi, uh, these are the dreams of the traveler and their feelings in the moments of, of the collapse. When you look at, um, I think it's ghost fragment traveler two. It's uh, dreams of alpha lupi where the traveler decides enough running. The darkness is coming, and this time I'm staying and I'm fighting. And so uh, he asks her. So now it's kind of like saying this vision isn't a vision given to him from clarity. It's a vision given to him from the traveler, which we have also had. Uh, so it's it's you don't have to be a speaker to get visions from the traveler, but it seems like speakers have a much easier time receiving said visions. Right. And you tune uh, into that frequency somehow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so she lay her head down in the bloody snow and looked up at me. She seemed wary. She had seen this happen many times before. She had seen many of her pups murdered by wolves like me. The voice of Clovis II's mother came from her jaws. You did the same thing someone always does. You saw that there was plenty and gathered it for yourself. To make yourself one above all others, and when others threatened your plenty, you struck them down to keep your own station. You grow the enemy in my garden and eat its bitter fruit. Each time, I hope it will be different. Each time, I lose a little of myself as the bitter fruit blossoms. Now that fruit will flower in you, and in all your people. I do not want it to happen. I want anything else. But the choice is not mine. And... Mm. so right there like we kind of have this this like the traveler is looking down on clovis for what he did using using dark being cruel and all these other things and then she created guardians and now the guardians are using dark powers and i i'm i'm would not be surprised if she's like what the fuck are you doing yeah why are you doing that like that's not what i wanted but she has no choice and it kind of it kind of made me think if Witch Queen is supposed to be surviving the truth and the whole point of it, like as the trailer said, is that we're going into Sabathun's throne world to figure out how she stole the light from us. What if she didn't? What if the light was given to her? Whoa. And because, but the choice is not mine because the traveler and the winnower, the gardener and the winnower exist in these ideals and that's all they have. You know, that's exactly what they are. They made a new rule and they are that new rule. But that doesn't mean that they can make new rule after new rule after new rule. They've already made their one new the rule each. Yeah. So they have to stick with that rule, whether it be, you know, uh, bad, good or bad for your game. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And so Sabathun, uh, what, what was it that the speaker said to Gaul? Uh, uh, courage, uh, determination, sacrifice. So why don't you kill yourself that line? Yeah. Yeah. 
Sabathun kills herself this season. What if the traveler mm-hmm. sees that and it's like you you made you did the thing. That's the rule. You get the light now. Okay, so that's cool because um this motif or this construct of sacrifice comes up in the game constantly. Mm-hmm. Um it it's even it's even related to all of the planets when uh you go way back to D1 there are specific armor pieces tied to each um class, you know, hunter, titan, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And and the planets and it talks about how so and so gave their last full measure on Mars. You know, yeah. this piece of armor is basically that. And then so and so gave their last full measure on Venus and so and so. And so like the last full measure, uh, when you look it up on Ishtar and you look up uh, sacrifice, if you co- correlate those two, everything that has been done in like the name of the traveler, right? Uh, or it has been like blessed by the traveler, whatever, uh, has been this idea of sacrifice uh, for the greater good, like the sacrifice, like thinking of, okay, you know, laying your body down on the line for, you know, like the betterment thing or for, for, I don't know, (laughs) you know, for your people, for your race, for your uh, humanity, for uh, existence um, to keep from going extinct, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think that's neat. If you correlate that uh, to like, okay, well, you know, if Sabathun has to throw her hell Mary and it be sacrifice. And then the traveler interprets that as, Oh, like you said, she did the thing that unlocks that unlocks your ability. Here you go. Yeah. Like, what if, what if the ghost is looking for the spark before they resurrect the guard guardian, and it was in fact the fact that they had sacrificed themselves somehow. So, like every guardian standing is the person, that someone is, who had someone who had that sacrifice, and and they're pre- exactly. Right. Yeah, that's been a long thought of mine from from day one. Is like, what if the thing that the ghost is looking for is the sacrifice. Remember the crow sacrificed himself as Aldrin, even though it, he was a, you know, considered a bad guy. Uh, he sacrificed himself for what? His sister. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No. So that's, when I read that last night, it was like really late at night and I was just about to fall asleep and I was like, oh, fucking shit. Like, you know, yeah. and thinking, thinking back to the original flower game that the Winter and the Gardener played, you know, they had rules and that's what made the Gardener mad. It was like, I'm sick of these rules. I want to make a new room, yeah. but you, you can't just, it never, I never thought of it as. I'm making a new rule and the rule is I can do whatever I want, you know, or maybe that's how I always kind of thought of it. I mean to say, but when I read no, you're this right. last night, I was like, wait, you can't, that can't be a rule. You know, you, your rule can't be, I can do whatever I want. Cause then there's no game. The rule has to be like a static rule conditions met action happens. I didn't think about it until just now, but maybe that, maybe that initial sacrifice was, Remember uh, the gardener and the winnower. It was, uh, I'm I'm going to put myself in the game. Yeah, <laughs> that was the move. And now, if you put yourself in the game, now you're at your most vulnerable because you can be you can be taken out. You can be annihilated. You can be uh, you know gone yeah. forever. That's a, that's a that's a that's a good point. 
Yeah. Huh. So, yeah, uh, I think this season we're going to see some, not even tricks. I think, I think Savathun is going to be like completely genuine this season. And that's going to be the trick that she is being genuine this season. She is sacrificing herself this season, you know, whatever it is that's going to happen. And she's doing it for selfish reason, but she's being genuine while doing it. Like maybe even to the point that we rid her of her worm, but that doesn't kill her. And then Zivor Wrath comes and is like ready to like fuck shit up and set and Savathun (laughs) literally (laughs) sacrifices herself to save us. Yeah. Zivor Wrath. Yeah, no, I could see that. That would be really cool. I mean, I would like to see that play out. That would be, that would be a really good experience. Um, You know, when you think about like, what is the ultimate trick? (laughs) It's like that old saying, um, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing everyone that he didn't exist. Mm -hmm. Like what if Savathun's not the devil? Like we all thought, like what if she's not really the end all be all, you know, we've, we've played, we've made her out to be the, like the ultimate bad guy. And like right now she is, she's fulfilling this part, you know, that we made her to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, if you think back to the proto hive and how they were before they were, you know, constantly dying and living short lives and they had to find a way out of fundament. And so they, you know, almost like the gardener in the winter where they had to remove themselves from that by doing their little worm pact, you know, they dive, they dived in the deep, they, they went searching for the knowledge and then they were able to escape their own um you know e- extinction mm-hmm. uh, and then and then so that begat the hive interesting yeah. thought yeah so that's that's kind of where i am i think aldrin's going to do something to kick everything off old aldrin will play a key part in whatever it is that allows savathun to sacrifice herself that will gain her the light. You if know? we all got, okay. So what would be really cool is if we all got one of those cut scenes or one of those final moments, you know how they did when the, um, <clears throat> the almighty was blown up and mm-hmm. we got to see it. Uh, everybody got to see it and experience it in the tower. What if everybody showed up in those Aldrin masks on the last day <laughs> for the event <laughs> with this face, just like screaming, what did you do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> I'm really excited to see where the rest of the season goes. Yeah, no, it's really good that so like my impression on the season thus far, mm-hmm. you know, not getting into trials yet, but like just thus far, it's been really good because um the state of the game is at a place right now where it is it has been the best experience so far since the chosen mm-hmm. the replayability factor of destiny has been at an all time high for me personally. Yeah. Uh, and then getting into trials, I'm actually enjoying trials at the moment, you know, and that might be the newness before it wears out, but right now I'm actually enjoying it and there's some cool, cool mechanics, but as far as the lore goes and the mm-hmm. story, we've always had great stories since forsaken. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff in Forsaken that I wish people would have paid more attention to, but I don't think the the popular people out there on social media were p- 
promoting it enough because there was some really good stuff that happened way back then that they're just now realizing in this moment, holy crap, that was probably integral to the story or where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was some good stuff back then, but, but right now everybody's, you know, conflating the lore as being the end all be all greatest it's ever been. Well, yeah. it's been great since forsaken, but what I'm liking right now is uh, Bungie is really twisting the blade. They pierced us with the lore in Forsaken, but right now they're really twisting the blade in our side, and they're making us feel these these uh, gray feelings because mm-hmm. it's not black and white. It's not good or bad. It's not about who's right or wrong. It, there's a lot of survival happening, and it just happens to be all of the people that exist in this universe of destiny are all competing to survive and they're all having these internal struggles met with these external forces and feelings that you genuinely attribute to like having a sense of compassion. It's almost like feeling bad for a serial killer, you know, at some levels of the game, it's almost feeling like good for a bad guy. Like if you think about drifter and sometimes you think, Oh man, he's really funny. I like that guy, but you know, why is he trying to eat petroleum bubblegum meat wads? You know, it's like <laughs> dude's eating everything, you know? And so anyway, in a nutshell, uh, it's really kind of putting everybody on these uh, teetering edges of how do I feel about this right now? Well, that's life. You know, that's life. Some people have done some stupid things in their past. Some people have done some bad things. It doesn't necessarily define who they are. Some people mm-hmm. just, were lucky enough not to get caught and you never knew they did bad things. Or some people were just, you know, so good that they ended up being bad people because they never had, you know, those experiences. So, I mean, it's really, it's really good because like uh, it just shows everyone that you can't just draw a line in the sand and just put everybody on one side. Yeah. Uh, before I forget, last week I, I did uh, misspeak about something though. So last week I, t- I, I said that this season has uh, three lore books. One was available. Uh, currently we have three entries. And I actually want to make sure everyone knows how to get those entries. So at your Wayfinder Compass to the right is a little terminal once a week. Just go to that. I thought you had to do the mission first, the whole weekly quest, but you actually don't. I did it the first thing at the start of this week, you just talk to the terminal and it gives uh, you a triumph and gives you the lore from that. So, darn it. well, if you missed it, you can just go to it now and you can pick them up. Okay. I didn't so know I, that. Yeah. And I think it might play them in reverse if you missed it. So, I mean, it's a little, it could be a little confusing where you're like, wait, okay. what? <laughs> Why is it? Well, I thought you, you had that? to go, I've been doing it, but I thought you had to do it after the mission. Yeah. Cause so it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't send up a little icon no. alert. No, I, I tried to go to the compass and I accidentally went to the far side and I activated yeah. the terminal and I was like, oh, I thought this was after the astral alignment, a shattered realm, all that stuff, yeah. but it, it doesn't have to be. It could be the very first really? thing you do every week. It was for this week. Maybe this week glitched. Maybe you're not supposed <laughs> to be able to get it, but I did. No, this, I, I right. personally did this week go to the terminal first, but wow. so that's one of the books ripples. And I said that there were two others because I had two other unclaimed books. 
One of those books actually was, I think it's called Pathfinding. It's the book about Ada One uh, learning that she wanted to do uh, armor transmog. I oh, yeah, never yeah. claimed that book. Uh. <laughs> so I finally claimed it this week, just clearing out my inventory and stuff. And I was like, oh, oh, damn it. That's my yeah. bad. So there is one other book coming this season that we still don't know anything about. But I mean, there's so many secrets this season that I'm not too surprised that we uh, we we haven't started to unlock that one yet. And maybe they maybe they thought about it, you know, because they're like long season. Let's let's lock this book behind like later things. Speaking of Ada, um, there's some like because I forget his name right now. So he's a brilliant writer and he's been a part of the the lore. God dang it. Um, I'm going to butcher this. Uh, Ada's Ada's lore book that you just brought up mm-hmm. that was a good one because it kind of showed the duality of what um, uh, we the Weaver of the Cocoon storyline whatever oh Achilles was, weaves a cocoon yeah Achilles weaves a cocoon was feeling a lot of the same things that Ada one was feeling mm-hmm. uh, originally okay and so it, it's a good duality and it plays on the two um, showing how they felt. They were useless, and they repurposed themselves yeah. uh, by weaving. They both are weaving, right? So it's kind of like this duality of stories. Because that's, that's an interesting point, yeah. Yeah, and so I thought that was really neat because um, Achilles is weaving cloth for his people, the Fallen, and Ada felt useless because she's no longer you know, forge-relatable. Um, so she had to repurpose herself into weaving cloth for the Guardians. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the cloth that she's weaving came from the same source of the cloth that Achilles was using on Europa. Did it? Yeah. Cause when you play the game, you go to Europa to that cave to get the material needed for Ada to construct the whole weaving area. <laughs> oh, huh? Yeah. So I, I kind of missed that at first, but then I realized, Oh, I see what they're saying. They're trying to correlate the two somewhat. Because in the lore, you're like, well, why is he weaving? What does that? What does that have to do? He's just making snuggies for his baby fallen. Well, I mean, but that's then, important. <laughs> yeah, it is. Freeze to death otherwise. Exactly. So, like, um, the material that Ada's weaving right now um, is made from those strands of the same type of idea, uh, but you know, using other materials. All found on Europa. I mean, goodness gracious, dude. That's crazy. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was crazy. But so Ada is uh, French by design, sort of, because mm-hmm. she has the French, you know, history. Yeah, she's, and... she's uh, Adelaide uh, Myron. Yes. And God, I want his name so bad right now. What is his name? Um, I always butcher his name. Who? Venture. The French, <laughs> the French writer at Bungie. <laughs> oh, uh, Guy? Yes, Guy. Yes, Guy. Go follow him on Twitter if you can. He doesn't tweet a lot, but he's a very uh, yeah, he's great. smart. He's a very smart person. Uh, he's French, so some of his tweets might come a little bit out of like you know the normal cadence that you're used to every day. But um, anyway, he's responsible for a lot of the lore that happened in game that has these really cool French uh, inspirational dealings and some of the things that i've noticed in the game have french roots you know like mm-hmm. um 
like one of the weapons we got, which was Chrysura Melo. Well, Melo is French for song. Mm-hmm. You know, we're dealing with Savathun, Savathun's song. Chrysura is related to the etymology of insects. So I thought that was really neat because, mm-hmm. you know, you think about Savathun as a moth lady and then you think about like, what do the insects have to do with this and the cocoon and then the weaving and then, you know, it's all kind of tying together, right? Well, there's Savathun's song. What does that entail? Who's listening to her song? What is happening in the city? People are walking around humming the song. Yeah. So I think so, there's something greater happening right now. So and, uh, I'm actually on this page, on his, on his Twitter. It's at uh, G-U-I-C-O-L-O-M-B. Uh, yes. And so he is the a narrative lead at Bungie. I'm not sure if, his, if he's like the narrative lead. I'm not sure the whole structure on that. But he specifically lists uh, Halo 5, Destiny 2, Black Armory. So he skips Forsaken, Black Armory, Shadowkeep, Beyond Light, and Witch Queen. And so Black yeah. Armory, obviously, we're just talking about Ada. So he it shows how involved he was with that. And uh, But so what I think is interesting is Black Armory has a butterfly for the Myron uh, logo, right? Were they the butterfly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was butterfly, right. f- butterfly, fish, and fish hand. Fish. Yeah, <laughs> it was the hand with the finger that was segmented, and then the hook, and then the butterfly. Yeah. You're right. And then uh, Shadowkeep has a moon. Beyond Light has an ice cube, but Witch Queen has an eye emoji next to it, uh, which is kind of like, what are you, what are you, what are you saying? <laughs> yeah, she's watching. She's watching. Yeah, something's going on. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, Savathun's eyes were everywhere too. Remember that whole thing? <coughs> hmm. Shoot the eye, and then you got a, and then you got this whole thing. You, then you got this monkey wrench in the game right now. Of why does Mara have an egg? So, is that an egg? I don't think it looks like an Ahamkara egg. I mean, I would think it would be. I know I mean, Matt said w- it did, and I've heard many people else say it did. But did you? come to that conclusion yourself or did you see i thought it was i just thought it was a rock originally but i think that it would it would make sense for i think it would make sense in some way or another that it would be an egg just because of the way they've been playing with the eggs for so long yeah like they keep it's like the word song it's like the word eyes it's like the Mm -hmm. word egg it's like the word it it's like all of these words that they keep recycling over and over and over again and dropping it in the lore, even if it has nothing to do with the story that you're reading. I mean, so Mara, I think it was on week two, Mara mentioned uh, something about if only she had more wishes, referencing the fact that we killed uh, yeah. Riven. And it's like, Ikora like shut her down like, yeah, you're not having any more wishes. So I can absolutely see that Mara had an egg hidden away somewhere for like her backup plan if Riven were ever to be killed. Like I I see the logic behind all that. But when I look at it, it did not, in my opinion, look like one of the eggs that we had a shoe. It was it was different shaped and it was called chained up. Hmm. Well, I mean, maybe she went maybe her last wish was that Riven not actually die. (laughs) Or that he could come back. Or that she could have another Ahamkara. I mean it's like the genie thing, right? Yeah. What's the first wish you wish when you get a genie? Well, for infinite wishes, right? Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. It's no. okay. 
wishing for infinite wishes is against the rules. That's why you just wish for the ability to do anything without consequence. Well, then, like, okay, so here's the thing. So, like, the trick the leprechaun played on everyone or that the genie played on everyone when they wished for infinite wishes was to make them the genie. Oh, you want to be you want to be in charge of infinite wishes? Okay, now you're the genie. Now you get to go make everybody's wishes come true. Anyway. Be careful what you wish for, right? <laughs> oh, that reminded me. Uh one of the lore entries was uh talking about the Ahamkara skull that's above Shax's area that he, mm-hmm. you know, stands in. And remember we got that lore card a while back. Uh, and I think it was in the season of Chosen where it was talking uh-huh. about Ahamkara looking down at him and like yeah it it, it was where he heard Savathun's song he thought he heard it from Eris but it was it actually came from there yeah and so apparently that was her in her little um, dust form or blackness form or whatever the ooziness she was that was just gravitating from one vessel to the next yeah. inside that skull witnessing him just as her blobbiness yeah. Thought that was creepy too. So she's sitting there looking at him, and then all of a sudden he realizes, "Hey, what?" And he looks up, and she's like, "Oh crap, gotta get out of here." <laughs> there was that lore entry that dropped. So um, they're they're showing us that Savathun's been around all along, just yeah. kind of floating about, witnessing us and watching us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the the idea that that she all of a sudden was in Osiris is kind of interesting to me. I mean, not all of a sudden. She's been in him the entire time. Yeah, that's what I mean. The celebrant would have killed him if not for her. Yes, that's correct. So, yeah. So, like, she, you know, she she jumped into that body. Mm -hmm. Made that happen. Oi, oi, vey. Yeah. All right. Uh, Do you have anything more to say on, on Season of the Lost? No, I just, that was it. I think, uh, just real quick, uh, impressions on trials. It's great oh, yeah. so far. Yeah. Yeah. I really, uh, I have not really even, I have friends that go into play trials and I'm just like, it's just not worth the stress of right. being like, I'm the reason that we have to reset a card and now we're not going to get five wins and we're never going to get seven wins. We're never going to yeah. get flawless, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's like very just like I'm just not even gonna try. But now that it's jump in, who gives a shit? I'm like, all right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm on board. It's great. My wife and I lost so many matches uh, over the last few days, but we just keep the card going, and so like mm-hmm. we're at four four wins right now. And the loot we're getting is really good. So there are these engrams you get, mm-hmm. just you can go get from you know uh, Saint, but also uh, stuff just drops. So like the more wins you get on your card. You just, you'll get like some good drops. And then, uh, like, I think there's like a, there's a weird dwell point before between four and six, but other than that, it's been really good, good stuff Yeah, has dropped. So, uh, from, from what I gathered is for anyone listening, who's, who's trying to get the most out of it. Uh, every season you rank up trials, just like you would rank up anything. And so your rank up on, any card except for one of the cards, um, yeah. tickets, whatever the little things, uh, any card except for one of the cards goes up to 100 per match, assuming you get a kill or 50 if you didn't get a kill after you've won 
20 rounds and it's like it rises up to 100 points per match if you get a kill and so uh what you want to do is you want to get a ticket with seven wins as soon as possible and then you reset that ticket for a uh passage of wealth which gives you bonus uh rank at three five and seven wins and then you get that up to seven and then you sit there because when you're at seven each win after hitting seven on your ticket which will never go away because it's just not flawless um you have a chance at getting golf balls enhancement prisms or engrams and I played three games uh, before we started this. I won all three of those games, which was insane because I've never had that straight <laughs> win before. I was like hours in, finally got a yeah. win, hour in, finally got another win. But so I got two engrams, two golf balls, and two prisms. And that happens because you're at seven wins on the ticket. But so like I'm not on a season, I'm not on a passage of wealth, but it's it's Sunday. I'm not going to waste my time trying to re-hit seven wins. If you can hit that seven wins on Friday evening, then like reset it. You have the whole Keep weekend to get yeah. your rank up and shit, you know, like that makes it worth it in the long run. Uh, that's my, that's going to be my strategy going into next week. I'm just going to try to hit seven wins as fast as possible and then reset it for a wealth. Yeah. Unless so I'm a casual, I'm a casual, I'm a casual, but I play crucible, uh, a majority of the time um i've been playing gambit because of the stupid seasons the chases but i'm not yeah. really a gambit I, uh, I do i do enjoy it somewhat but sometimes it makes me so mad anyway um so i i've never really enjoyed trials because of that but right now i'm able to enjoy it because it's not really it's more like just a playlist that i would play in crucible that would be mm-hmm. a little bit more sweat like um like a momentum control or um, elimination in, in crucible. I enjoy playing those and yeah. And I play and I play pretty good in those matchmaking uh, matchmaking uh, areas. And what I've realized is that because I don't know what it is, but maybe because the population is bigger or whatever, or maybe just because, um, you know, it's less confrontational uh, playing in trials right now, I'm actually winning rounds in, having a good time and and knowing that, you know, at the worst case scenario, if I lose five times in a row, I'm still getting something for it. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other page to that, where when you get a drop as a weapon, like if you get reads regret, um, you can go back in there and spend some more engrams and re-roll it and hopefully get a better version of it. So it's pretty nice because you can try to get these engrams over again. It's almost like, it's almost a great resource for, for people who are like, oh, I really like that gun. Can I get a better version of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't have to com- completely rely on RNG is what I'm saying. Uh, you can maybe have a little bit more control over. I really like that hand cannon or I really like that one, you know, pulse rifle, the messenger, and I can just keep trying to get a better version of it. Yeah. Replayability, nice. Yeah, no, I think I think it's a, a great change, and I'm excited to see what else they do. You know, they've been they've been making improvements to the the game for years now. It's just it's uh, all you know coming together more and more and more and more. Yeah, and look, you know, uh, when they did that, 
nothing bad happened. <laughs> Everybody was so worried that if you did all these things, all these changes to to trials, it was just going to suck. And guess yeah. what? It doesn't. So, meh. <laughs> all right. So then, uh, normally we would be back in two weeks, but I'm going to be on vacation. So we're just going to skip over that and we're going to come back as scheduled, which would put us into October 10th. Yep. And so we'll be back on October 10th. And that's so far away that we don't really know what we're going to be talking about. Maybe some huge thing will happen over the weeks until then. And we'll just have to talk about that huge event. Yeah. But if you want to find more of us, you can follow at Loose Cannon Show, as it is spelled down there, uh, on Twitter. All we do is tweet about, you know, updates to the show. We we, we don't uh, bombard, so, you know, set us to notifications. And when we say that we got a show coming, we tweet that we have a show coming. And then we tweet, like, 15 minutes before the show that it's about to go live. And that's pretty much all it is. Yep. You can find us here. But if you want to listen to our past... We're everywhere you can listen to podcasts. So yep. look us up. Also on the some Twitter, stuff it's, uh, right it's uh, pinned on the link. It's a pinned tweet to a link tree with all of our uh, locations where you can find us. And it's I, I went through and got a bunch of the popular like Google, Apple, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, Podbean, the popular places to get it. Yep. So that is going to be it for this week. And bye, everybody. Bye.